Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning. It is Friday, February 16th. It is seven minutes after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. We begin today talking about the drama that involves the Fulton County District Attorney, Fannie Willis. And can I just start there? Is it Fannie or Fannie? Because it's what you talking about, Casey. It's okay. This is one of those things. It's like, is it Demi Moore or Demi Moore? It's what you talking is it, about. Is it Kirstie Alley or Kirstie Alley? Is it Timu or Tamu? You can't change your name halfway through. I thought we all decided it was Fanny Willis, and now it's Fanny Willis. It, it's it's Fanny Fanny ain't gonna be <laughs> prosecuting no more Willis. That's what, how about we go with that? Okay. Well, she was fighting for her professional reputation, and it appears to be that she was losing okay so uh, high level let's think about this casey high level let's review the because trump's argument and was made infinitely stronger yesterday not just obviously in the georgia stuff but across the board that this is the weaponization of law enforcement and justice against him to alter a presidential election so let's kind of review what what uh has gone on so far, and then we'll get into Fanny Fanny ain't going to be prosecuting no more <laughs> Willis. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at, so you've got her, mm-hmm. which that was a total train wreck, and she is a complete scumbag. And that all came out yesterday, and I know we're going to play some audio. So you've got her, who clearly is a I, I, radical leftist ideologue who has no business doing anything injustice. I mean, the, the things that came out about her yesterday and the way she handled herself yesterday, that is a person who has no business whatsoever. It's, okay, let's check her and throw the Georgia case out the window. Any reasonable person yesterday would agree to that. Now, in New York, you've got Alvin Bragg, another total Marxist leftist maniac who is relying on some untested, unproven legal Legal scholars across the board of all political persuasions are rejecting theory about this hush money stuff. Okay, that's number two. The third case, the election interference case, is now infinitely delayed. That's how weak or bad that case was, that it's not even on the schedule anymore. And the fourth and final one is this documents case Mm -hmm. that apparently is so unserious that Biden's not going to face any consequences because he was too old to remember when he was vice president. And the guy prosecuting that is Jack Smith, whose wife is a total entrenched Democrat leftist. So those are the four cases against Trump. And you look at him and you go, hard to argue there why a huge swath of the American people believe this is nothing but election interference bullcrap. Mm-hmm. Okay, so some people are saying that the judge lost control of the courtroom and allowed Fanny Fanny, what you talking about, Willis, to run it. I beg to differ. I think she's the one who lost control. She showed her true colors as just a complete narcissist who was, I would say, not necessarily out of her element, but under her element, proving she did not have the knowledge to be the prosecutor to begin with. So the allegations, help me, let's let's make sure everybody kind of understands what's going on here, and I'm going to try to repeat this, and I'm going to ask them in the form of a question to you, and you can say correct or whatever. How about that? I'll do my best. So the, the allegation against her mm-hmm. is that she had this extramarital affair mm-hmm. with this guy. One of her employees. Who the she then 
turns over the essentially the prosecution of this very weak to begin with Trump case. Mm-hmm. And as a part of that, there are also apparently out. I mean, of course, that's totally inappropriate. I mean, to have a, a, have an affair with someone who you're doing legal work with, who you're trying to. I mean, we're not talking about a traffic violation here, Casey. They're trying to keep someone from. He's going to be the Republican nominee for president, and they're trying to keep him from running for president. This is about as serious as a case as you can get, or as serious as a, a end game as you can possibly get. Mm-hmm. And so she's got this guy who she has this extramarital affair with. They're going on, like, vacations together. Mm-hmm. She's giving him money, apparently. Yep. Yeah. And it, there's also concern about did she pay him yep. more than he was supposed to have been paid? Mm-hmm. Did I kind of cap? I think you got it all. Okay, very good. Thank you. Yes. I mean, there's way more to it than that. But this is, this like, there is, n- this thing should be thrown out just based on the fact that there are, there are, what appear to be reliable allegations of that. It should have never even got to that we had to go through this. People should have looked at that and gone, this is ridiculous, and you should want, without any shadow of a doubt, this everybody involved with this to be above reproach so that the end verdict, people would go, I feel really good about this. Well, she was fighting to stay on this case. She looked really uneasy. She was lashing out when she was on the stand. Some were even saying that she had her dress on backwards. Um, well, you're a woman, <laughs> did she or didn't she? Uh, if you believe some of the pictures, maybe she was uh, having a wardrobe malfunction. You never know. But she did. How, time out, time out, time out, time out. How do you put your dress on backwards? Like I could, I could see. Hey, I wore a blue sock and a and a black sock. Or hey, your fly was unzipped. You know that. Like those things happen. But well, how do you put? You're a woman. How do you put a dress on backwards? It looks like it's one of those dresses that um, zips in the back. She had the zip in the front, and maybe it fit her that way. Or maybe it's one of those reversible sort of clothing that you now, can wear either way. Now, I admit I have done this <laughs> in dressing my seven-month-old where I have put the pants on backwards. Yeah. However, that is a seven-month-old who's being dressed <laughs> by someone else who's not about to venture out into public and is certainly not on on trial for her professional life. Mm-hmm. How would you put your clothes on? You would think, hey, when you look in the mirror, is anything, is there a mustard stain on my shirt? You know, wouldn't you, that'd be the last thing you'd do before you'd, you know you're going to be the lead story on the national news. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you make sure the clothes are on right? Well, and you hit a good point right there. You're going to be the lead story on national news. And in my opinion, she loved it. She said she didn't love it and she went out and said I'm not the one who's on trial here. It's these people who are on trial when in fact I got the feeling that she was lapping up the attention. They said that she was a hostile witness. She was arguing uh, that she was not a hostile witness. It's a legal term. She should actually know. They said, we're not describing your temperament, but let's get into some of the audio from the case because it's just spectacular. Here she is objecting to the record saying that people are being intrusive into her personal life. So your office objected to us getting um, Delta records for flights that you may have taken when Mr. Wade. Well, no, 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 look. I object to you getting records. You've been intrusive into people's personal lives. You're confused. You think I'm on trial. These people are on trial for trying to steal an election in 2020. I'm not on trial, no matter how hard you try to put me on trial. So... See, this is what I love about these people in positions of power. This is why people hate our show, the politicians, Casey, because we hold them to account. They don't, 
they don't they rarely refute the the actual nuts and bolts of what we say they simply just hate that we hold them to account because they're used to when they go to breakfasts or ribbon cuttings or whatever. Or donate blood, moving to the front of the line. Everybody's there kissing their ass and telling them how great they are. We don't like any of these people, and we don't have any favorites or unfavorites. We just simply tell you what, what we think, and they're not used to being challenged. This, Listen to that answer. I'm not on trial here. He's on trial here. No, you are on trial, lady, right now because you're a public figure. You are in a position where you are supposed to be above reproach, and you have clearly not lived up to the expectations of your office. And the idea that she would be judged in the disdain in her voice mm -hmm. over the fact that for any reason, someone would have the audacity to look at her and go, you have behaved in a very clearly inappropriate manner. It was a fabulous insight because we deal with this same thing from the underachievers at the state house down the street from us all the time. So they were getting to the part, they were trying to determine if she and Nathan Wade had an affair when the affair started. And this is an insight into her brilliance. They asked her whether she'd visited any other continents with him. You also said that he was a world traveler and had been on many of the continents. Have, been to six. Have you been on any of those continents with him? Um, Besides this one? Uh, where's Belize? What continent is that? I'm not being funny. I don't know. Uh, let's say with the exception the, of Belize with him. I've been to the Bahamas with him. I've been with Aruba with him. Don't embarrass me. I'm not sure what continents those are on. Whatever continents those are, that's where I've been. I'm sure if I gave it some thought, I would tell you. But whatever continents those are that I've been to those locations, sir. Hey, we got to take a break. Mm -hmm. We have more audio, right? Oh, we have can, so much more. When we come back, can we play the audio <laughs> do, of her talking about how she pocketed the campaign money? Yes, can we've we, got that on the way. Can we Can we play that? You got it. Oh, my gosh. This is such a – this is unbelievable that this woman is stupid enough to admit this out loud. This is Well, she doesn't know the continent, so <laughs> you never know what's going to come out of her mouth. It's Kendall and Casey on Night. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Good morning. 21 minutes after 9, you're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So the lead prosecutor in the Georgia case against Donald Trump took the witness stand yesterday. She was lashing out at those people that are seeking to remove her from that position. They're claiming that she improperly benefited from the case because of her boyfriend, that uh, he took money and, uh, well, they went on some vacations together. What you talking about? What you talking about? What you, what you, what you, what you talking about, Willis? So, Fanny Willis, what you talking about, Fanny Willis? Uh, she seemed uh, smug and dangerous and at times defensive. Well, and we have talked about this many times. This this thing yesterday was great for people to see this on display. And every so often, these high-profile cases pop up. You feel horrible for the people who are being persecuted. Like Duke Lacrosse is a great example of this. And one of the issues with our country is and when the founders set this country up people in positions of power and influence were decent noble you know righteous people who they had lived through the foundation of the country and so the founders could never imagine a time where people wouldn't know what it took to find to found this country 
And as such, only the best of us would be running and elected because they we would always want to preserve what had been fought so hard for. Well, obviously, it didn't take long to where people figured out I can make a career and make money and all sorts of other things by being in politics. Mm -hmm. And it went from the best of us to, in many cases, the, to worst, the worst the worst of us. And we have seen, I mean, look, there's a lot of scumbags that are in politics and, you know, senators and congressmen and, you know, state-level people. But it is it is just the worst when it is when it's a judge or a prosecutor because look we can all deal with bad public policy we come on here and we're going to tell you about it and we're going to complain about it but it ain't putting nobody in jail and it isn't you know affecting anyone's you know livelihood in terms of whether they can see their family each day in in most cases but when you have these sort of people these blatant narcissistic sociopathic blatantly just power hungry people that have the ability to decide whether you're going to spend a portion of your life in prison or not. I mean, look, these people are everywhere. They get exposed during high profile cases like this or Duke lacrosse. Now there's many fine prosecutors out there. There's many people who do a tremendous job. There's many fine judges out there, many people who do a tremendous job, but people like this do exist. Mm -hmm. Clearly they're not, these are not the only people, the ones we're seeing in high profile cases. And that's very scary. Well, her position is affecting everybody in the country. She has the, ability to, she has the ability to shape a presidential election. Yes. Because the polling is very clear that if Donald Trump is convicted of a crime, it will dramatically impact the presidential election. And it could decide whether he wins or not, mm -hmm. whether he's convicted of of a crime. And it is clear whether it is her or it is Alvin Bragg or it is this Jack Smith guy, they are out to get Donald Trump. They're not in search of the truth. They're trying to get a desired outcome. And this testimony yesterday, oh my gosh, Casey, the fact that this, you wonder how many people have been persecuted by this woman because she is a nightmare. Okay, so at one point it seemed, by the way, she's not going to take the witness stand today. Apparently, she, <laughs> she did, had enough. She did enough damage yesterday. Uh, but it seemed like, and and I don't know for sure, did she admit under oath to committing campaign finance violations? Do we have that audio? We do. Here it is. But I always have cash at the house. That has been... I don't know, all my life. If you're a woman and you go on a date with a man, you better have $200 in your pocket. So if that man acts up, you can go where you want to go. So I keep cash in my house, and I don't keep cash as good in my purse like I used to. Um, I don't go on many dates, but when you go on a date, you should have cash in your pocket. So my question was, where did that cash originally come from? If it didn't cash come out of the bank? Cash is uh, fungible. I had cash for years in my house. So for me to tell you the source of when it comes from, when you go to Publix and you buy something, you get $50, you throw it in there. When it's been my whole life. When I took out a large amount of money on my first campaign, I kept some of the cash of that. Like, to tell you, I just have cash in my house. I don't have as much today as I would normally have, but I'm building back up now. So you just put money in. It's a very good practice. I would advise it to all women. Mm -hmm. um, don't you have to keep that money separate? Well, I'm not a lawyer. Separate accounts? But, campaign funds? And, and look, here's the thing, No Casey. matter where it came from. Well, here's the thing, Casey. <laughs> and I don't know who needs to hear this, you know, in central Indiana, but campaign finance violations are, one, mm -hmm. very serious. And two, all it takes is one 
interested person to look into your campaign finance report and it's pretty obvious if one interested person it's the really the worst type of fraud to try to commit because all it takes is one person because the campaign reports are public this is not american greed where it's done behind closed doors your campaign finance reports are public and if one person mm -hmm. who knows what they're doing looks into your report and finds something amiss all they have to do is report that to the correct authorities and Katie bar the door. And oftentimes it takes something like this for these sort of things to get exposed. But yes, Casey, that appears to be a pretty big no-no that she just <laughs> admitted to. I don't even know if she was aware that she was doing that. That's the scary part about it. Oh, she knew. There's no way you, she's not a, she's not a, uh, you know, a county surveyor. She's the prosecutor, Casey. It, exactly, though. Exactly. She's the prosecutor. And to your point, just get them talking the, and keep them talking and it'll all spill these out. These people believe they're above the law and it's a bipartisan thing. Look at the, you know, I mean, the, the, Santos or Menendez or her. These people believe they're above the law. It is Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC. And uh, we've got, uh, is Kurt Darling in next? Kurt Darling's here. He's Fantastic. ready to go. Look at We've him. got He's your update with jacks. the news. He's doing calisthenics. He's ready to give you the greatest news report in the history of news. It's, I don't know. Just, it's play, on, just roll with it, Kurt. It's on the way. It's 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Good morning, 935 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So John Rust may finally be out of the race for Senate. He may no longer be allowed to be on the May primary ballot. This is a ruling that happened yesterday with the Indiana Supreme Court. They removed the injunction that originally allowed him to run. Now he, it's it's a thing. Please explain. You want me to take a stab at it? Please. Now, coming up in the 11 o'clock hour, we're going to have Mark Rutherford on the show, one of the best attorneys in central Indiana. He'll try to put some legalese on what's going on here. But this is too big of a story to wait until people be like, why did you wait so long to cover this story? So just a brief recap, John Rust was was suing to be on the ballot to run for United States Senate. Yes. And John Rust was challenging a state law which said you have to vote in two consecutive Republican primaries or Democrat primaries in order to seek that party's nomination. And a lower court judge, a Republican judge, by the way, had said – I agree with you, John Russ. This law violates the Constitution. It was a 36-page ruling. He laid out numerous areas where he believed the law was lacking and insufficient. And uh, he said, I agree with you, so you can run for United States Senate. In the meantime, the state of Indiana, and we'll come back to that in a second because this is important, appealed this to the Sup state Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, interestingly, declined to stay the ruling. So what that means in legal terms, when someone stays a ruling, it means it keeps it from going into effect. It stops it. Right. So it would say, we're not ruling against the judge. We're not ruling on the side of the, the or upholding the judge's ruling. We're just simply saying until we get to see the case and have it argued in front of us that the, that law cannot go into effect. That happens all the time in the legal system. 
However, people and many, many attorneys that we talked to said this, and rightfully so, were inclined to think they were going to rule in favor of Rust because the Supreme Court had not stayed the ruling. They said, wait a second, we're, we're not going to stay this ruling. We're going to let Dietrich, the lower court judge's rule, go into effect, which says the law is unconstitutional and Rust, you can run as of right now for public office. Now, what happened yesterday, and this is very, very odd, and we'll have Mark Rutherford kind of break down why this might have been. They didn't rule for Rust or against Rust. They didn't say the law is or is not unconstitutional. They simply said, we are putting a stay in effect, which by default screws Rust because it means the two-party or two-primary rule goes back into effect mm -hmm. until they rule otherwise, which means he's off the ballot. So conceivably, there could be a world where he still wins this case and yet doesn't get to run for United States Senate. Okay, so they said that they're going to come out with their full opinion. And is it possible that their full opinion doesn't come out until after the primary? Well, that's very possible, which is what I'm saying. There's a, And Rust has probably spent, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to pretend to know his finances. Uh, you know, I would guess, I mean, several hundred thousand dollars just based on the complexity of this case, maybe even more than that. And to ultimately possibly win yet not even get to run for u.s senate i mean so that that's the nuts and bolts of what happened yesterday john rust didn't win he didn't lose yesterday the the supreme court simply said we are putting the stay into effect which is confusing a lot of people because if you were going to do that why didn't the supreme court do that from the beginning mm -hmm. because initially they said we are not going to put a st we're denying a stay so that he can you know right now run for public office so and if you were going to rule against him if you thought there was evidence there to rule against him, why not just come out and rule against him so people know the lay of the one land? Way, one way or the other. Right. So that that's kind of the um, – that is the weird thing. Now, technically, he's still on the ballot until someone challenges him. Now, this, again, we're getting to Indiana election law here, and this is very complicated, and I'm going to get – I'm not an attorney. I'm going to do my best to – So it's getting kicked back to the Indiana Election Commission to decide? S somebody has to file a complaint against him, which they will today. They, they have to challenge Today's it. Today's the day. Yeah. Somebody associated with banks or whatever or, you know, as it was always a concerned citizen, right? That's what it always is, air mm -hmm. quotes here. Um will challenge the, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You're totally allowed to to do that, and that's the way the system is. They'll challenge his um, candidacy, and, um, you know, it'll either be, it probably won't be somebody directly affiliated with Jim Banks' campaign would be my guess. It'll be, a, like I said, an air quote, concerned citizen. And they will say John Rust is ineligible to run because he has not voted in two consecutive Republican primaries. It would then go in front of the election commission, and they will ultimately make, make the call he's obviously going to lose that because he's not voted in two consecutive republican primaries they will say hey based on the ruling from the supreme court this law is still in effect and you're you're out, you know you're off here you're out off the ballot whatever um so that's the legal side of it and now can we talk about kind of the just political side of it and the public policy side of this yes okay so this is unfortunate for a couple of reasons and i have said this many many times i was not for John Rust, you know, uh, not committing to vote for John Rust. I had no idea. I was for John Rust being able to run for public office for a variety of reasons. Number one, and and this is very odd that the state of Indiana has probably spent, when you put it all together, I mean, again, several hundred thousand, if not a million plus dollars trying to defeat this case. Because in the court trial, and, and Dietrich mentioned this in his ruling, almost 80% of the state is ineligible to run 
for their preferred choice of party based on this law. So what vested interest does the state of Indiana have in keeping 80% of the state taxpayers, law-abiding people, from being able to run for offices that they are elections they are forced to fund. So the Republican Party is saying, we need your money because we're too incompetent to run our own elections like the libertarians do, but we don't want you to be able to be a part of the process unless you pay play by our rules. We'll take everyone's money, mm-hmm. but you got to play by these specific rules in order to participate in the thing we force you to fund. So, you know, 80% of the state is getting screwed here. I, I don't like that. I think if you're forced to fund an election, this is America, you should be able to run for an office you you desire. The second thing that I have an issue with with this, and nobody has explained this yet, um, how an 18-year-old can who, vote for two. Right. There's no way an 18-year-old who is eligible, not all offices, but many offices in the state of Indiana, an 18-year-old would be eligible to run for public office, could be kicked off the ballot. Because they've never had an opportunity to vote in one primary, much less two, yet they would be deemed ineligible by the law. How do we square this and make this okay? And number three, you've got these county chairmen who are unelected people. Now, they're elected by the the party brass, but not the voters. There's not an election for, you know, Hendricks County Republican Party chairman. An individual can decide— whether you are allowed to run for public office or not without any sort of verifiable standard. It's just... Sign- Do they like you or not? Yeah, it's right. Are you a Republican Do they want you in, in? in good standing? Right. And and that is... There's nowhere in the state constitution, and and Dietrich mentioned this in his ruling. So there's three three issues here that it's like, how, how do we... How do we square that? So that's the public policy side of it. We need more people to be running for public office. We need different people... We talk about this all the time on our show about how it's just the same people running the same ads Mm -hmm. with the same ideas, and this is why we keep getting the same results. This will exclude all these people who wake up one day and go, you know what? I'm sick of what's going on in this country. I want to go make a difference. Well, a whole bunch of these people are going to be completely ineligible, and that's by design. The Republicans and Democrats want to control who can run because they want to control the outcome. And this law makes it so that if you are a person who's fed up with the system, you're not going to be able to make make a difference. The other part of this, and and then we, you know, we can get off this, is when there is no competition, it's hard to hold someone accountable on what they intend to do. And we have seen with Todd Young, because he had no primary competition, because Danny Niederberger, who tried to run, again, his was a signature issue, not a primary issue. But Todd Young was not held to any account in a primary. He didn't have to give specifics on what he would do. He didn't have to make pledges. He didn't, none of that. And what happened? He spent the past two years stabbing conservatives and, and liberty-minded people in the back, which we told you he was going to do. And I am very concerned now that if there is no Republican primary— Jim Banks, who has been endorsed by the state party, mm-hmm. and we know what we think of them, mm-hmm. is going to walk in there. And I would say this for anybody. Any person should have should have primary competition. It's the same thing. It's there, the same picture. There's no way to hold him accountable because he's going to win. Right. He's going to win because the Democrats are so inept in this state. And we know what the libertarians are, and God bless those guys, but they're no better off than they were six or eight years ago. So he's going to win without any competition. He's going to win without being held to any account and we're going to be the losers for that and and so i just 
I, I think this is a sad day, not because I like, I mean, John Rust is, seems like a nice enough guy. I don't know. Not because I was even going to vote for John Rust. I want competition. Mm -hmm. I want people to be held accountable. I want us to be able to hold these politicians' feet to the fire because I see what happens when nobody runs against them. So John Rust did come out and he said that he's been fighting the establishment since day one. He'll never stop fighting. All options are on the table, including relief from the U.S., Supreme Court. It'll be interesting to see how far he wants to take it. Well, and and look, I I hope um and what the full opinion is. Well, yeah, yeah. And look, I I hope I want I want competition period. I hope if they throw him off the ballot ultimately, again, not because I love him, but because I want competition. I hope he tries to run as an independent. I hope mm-hmm. he gets the signatures and goes through that process and he has the money to be able to do that and you know, I know he considers himself a Republican, but if the state's telling you you're an independent, then, then, then go do a, that. Run as an Don't ind- give up, man. We need competition. We need people to hold people accountable. And it's just uh, be fascinating to see what the Supreme Court's explanation on this is because it's not it's not good for transparency. It's not good for public dialogue. It's not good for the political process. And most importantly, look, it doesn't affect me at all. I'm a Republican in good standing. Mm-hmm. Think about this, Casey. Think about the awful things I say about the Republicans right. on a daily basis. And you can run. Totally. Right. But somebody who, like Rust who's given money and all these other things, totally ineligible. Does that make any sense to anyone? Yeah. No, of course not. It's Kendall and Casey. You're listening to 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Good morning, nine minutes in front of 10. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And thank you for listening this morning. Thank you for listening on your radio and that is what this next story is about it's about a radio giant a big company in fact it is the second largest radio operator in the country and they were just about to file for bankruptcy but a uh, management fund swooped in to save them and that's where the story takes a turn because the management fund that is swooping in to save this large radio broadcaster what's the name of the of the company, Casey. Odyssey yeah. is the name of the company that is the second largest radio operator in the country. Right. The management fund that is swooping in to save them from bankruptcy is the George Soros yeah. Fund. Okay, so this is a really big deal because this will likely dramatically alter our industry. And, you know, people who've been around radio for a long time, it is a reality that many, many radio stations, including this one, are owned by corporations. Mm-hmm. Now, Casey, you're a radio scholar. Jason, you're a radio historian. You'll back me up on this. Radio was never intended to be owned by corporations, period, right? It was the the, the inception of radio. It was local guys, wacky guys, mm-hmm. you know, people in the community. I mean, it's why when you hear, like, the uh, 101.9 is still licensed to Brownsburg, Indiana. You still hear the call at the top of the, you know, it's K-Love now. It's a, it's off New Road. It's nowhere close to Brownsburg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, most of these stations are not even where they're, what COL, City of License, are anymore. Now, the corporation that owns us has done a phenomenal job because they're great business people of when they bought us, they said, you guys do great at WIBC. Remember, people were like, oh, my gosh, the politics, they're going to change WIBC. They haven't changed anything. Right. They've been great. 
We never see them. We never hear from them. They are like, did we make money this month? Hot dang. Keep going. They've right. been very supportive of hands us. Hands off. They've been, Radio 1 has done a phenomenal job of being hands off and continuing to let us do the programming that you people love to listen to. However, they're not ideologues. They're business people. You now have an infinitely wealthy ideologue in George Soros. Mm-hmm who doesn't need to make money. He can do little fun pet projects just to screw with entire industries. Currency manipulation is one of his favorite hobbies, Casey. Right. It's the difference between are you in it for the money or are you in it for the message? Right. And, and with George Soros, you got to imagine he's in it for both. He, it's like Elon Musk buying Twitter. Oh, I lost a billion dollars? Oh, that's a shame. He doesn't care. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of concern with George Soros being a part of this purchase or his backed comp company being a part of this purchase that you will see a dramatic altering of radio period, but also the talk radio landscape, which is still one of the primary drivers of, in this country were conservative and liberty-minded people to go to get their information. Yeah, so Odyssey owns 225 radio stations in 45 markets across the country. And I just want to throw out some call letters of some big-time oh, radio stations no. that you might recognize if you've ever traveled, especially in your car across the country. These are some radio stations that are going to be affected by this purchase of George Soros. KMOX in St. Louis. Huge yep. radio station in St. Louis. KNX in Los Angeles. WBBM in Chicago. Ooh. KRLD in Dallas. <laughs> WCBS in New York oh, no. City. WWJ in Detroit. <laughs> KYW in Philly. WCCO in Minneapolis. Oh, no. WWL in New Orleans. <laughs> and America's first radio station, KDKA in Pittsburgh. And KXNT in Las Vegas. Now, you probably noticed... Well, these are all some pretty big markets, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, it's, this could affect the message that is being brought to the listeners in these markets on these radio yeah, stations. Yeah, this will be a huge deal and not a good one. It is five minutes in front of 10. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Yeah.